Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shear. Um, to the Mayrev, the tardiness of Mayrev. Shear starts a half hour later. I don't go the half hour later as well, I guess. Yeah, it's Hashem. Dil Nishmas Ephraim Benachanani Yam Teflipa Shmuel Yaakov Emeisha and Jeanette Bas Ibrahim Akayin. We do Chaim and Benachanani also. This week Shabbos Parshas Shalach Shabbos Mevarch Machidish Chidish Tammuz. Chidish Tammuz. We're holding summer. Kufas Tammuz, summertime. And Chidish Tammuz, in its own, the Gevura of Chidish Tammuz, Kech of Chidish Tammuz, the Brachas of Chidish Tammuz. And also within Chidish Tammuz itself is the three weeks, beginning of the three weeks from Shivas of Tammuz. Obviously, prior to that, we need to talk also about Chav Gimel Sivan, Chav Ches Sivan, and of course, the Parsha itself, Parsha Shlach. Shlach Lecho. Many Svarim, when they put the name of the Parsha, they take um, for example, Pasha's Noyach would be Noyach. They wouldn't change that. But Shlach would say Shlach Lecho. Vayishlach would be Vayishlach. Mishpatim is Mishpatim. For the most part, it's the one word they choose as the title of the Parsha. Kisavai, Kisavai, there are two words. But Pasha Shlach is usually known as Shalach, but also by others, in other Sfarim, it's called Pasha Shlach Lecha. There's a lot to talk about Pasha Shlach. Welcome, Atlanta. Welcome, Scranton, by the way. Uh, hope the meeting went well. The uh, shul in Scranton, they had a meeting about firearms, protection, keeping the shul safe. Mezuzah helps, although a shul Knesset doesn't need a mezuzah. Kosher sefritera help. Not talking during davening helps. But I'm sure the expert they brought in didn't mention any of these topics. Mischavin <laughs> making sure your tefillin sharesh is straight. Directly where it belongs on your forehead, not on your forehead, but above the, the hairline, and beninecha. This is a, is a concept of shmita. The two is don't touch each other on your arm. It's a concept of shmita. The two is are not turned over. Is a concept of shmita. That we see only the black sides. If chasuson. On the Sharish, the Ritzu is turned over. There's many different things that I mentioned about it. 
So for Shemitah's base, Haknesa, Shemitah's Hakol, there are all these different schools. And then, of course, you're going to get slapped in the face with the questions of, so what happened during the Shoah? During the Holocaust? Feine, feine Yidin. Frumme, chsidische Yidin. Gidaven Shein. Heraves Yisrael. And what happened to them? What happened to them? What happened there? You know, Rabbi Sayyid, another last question. But the fact of the matter is, time and history, people ask. And there are those psychologists that will tell you, of course, Sha, how can you say such a thing? You're not allowed to ask. What are you doing to the people? You're taking away their mind. You're taking away their hearts, their souls. They can't ask. That's horrible. Everyone has a right, freedom of speech. Have to be able to ask. Before we dig into the miraglim themselves, let's go to the outcome of the miraglim. Sorry. The miraglim, the spies, as they were known, were twelve. And ten came back with a nightmarish report which scared everybody. Two, Yeshua and Kalev were trying to convince Kal Yisrael Teva Oretz And when Yeshua and Kalev get up to speak to try to calm down the people and to convince them we need to go into Israel, havoc brokers. They wanted a, they want, a lynching squad was forming. Tells us the Tera. Very interesting. Yeshua tried to, they both tried to speak together, Yeshua and Kalev. Nobody wanted to hear them. Vayas Kolev Kolev silenced the people through Moshe. Rashi says right away, a defense of the Chamesh Lamikra. Moshe? What does it mean to Moshe? And Rashi answers very interesting. Kolev got up, Omar he said, you think that's all Ben Amram did to us? Wow. Hashemeya. 
when people heard he was going to talk about Ben Amram, which surely must have been something very derogatory to talk about Moshe, Hayasover they thought Shabal the Saper Biganusai is going to talk about his shortcomings, about his embarrassment. Everyone became silent. And they pricked up and they pushed their ears forward. Lamaheddin, what can he tell us about Moshe? You want to ask questions? Here's a question. Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu. The leader of the Jewish nation. And people had such an animosity against him. Such a hatred to Moshe Rabbeinu that they were actually excited to hear something else bad about Moshe. How strong is the Yitzhahara for Lashon Hara? How strong and powerful is the evil inclination when he wants to blaspheme a person or even God? Kalal Yisrael their leader, Moshe Rabbeinu, 40 days and 40 nights went up to Harsinai, brought down the Teda, broke the Luches, went back to Davin 40 days and 40 nights to save the nation, went another 40 days and 40 nights to bring the second Luches. A a true shepherd, devoted, dedicated, unconditionally loved his people, They wanted to hear what other things can you tell me about him? What other shortcomings? What other sins of Moshe can you disclose to us? So much so that this crowd, which was about to come lynch, screaming and yelling, pushing and shoving, Everyone equally heard that Moshe, he was going to say something else about Moshe. Shah! He became silent. Where does that go? Where is that coming from? How do you interpret that? What kind of people were these? Moshe Rabbeinu. But let's understand first another thing. What did he say? Rashi, he says, did you hear what happened with Ben Amram? But the Pasuk doesn't say Ben Amram. The Pasuk says Moshe. Why does Rashi explain that Kolev said Ben Amram? The son of Amram. The din is, the law, the Jewish law is, one may not call their rabbi, their leader, by their name. Unless you put something in front of it. Mighty, Rabbi, etc. If you keep me scored home, it's Gemara Sanhedrin, Tafkufa Medalef, 100 side 1. Rashi tells us over there. 
And we find Takeh written down when Elder the Maidot were giving saying the Vua. Yeshua comes running and says, Adoini Moshe, my master Moshe. Kloim. By adding Adoini, why did he add the word Adoini, my master? Because he could not mention Moshe's name, Stam. So when Kolev is talking to the people, and he wanted them to listen, and all they wanted to hear was the Gunai of Moshe, the embarrassing things of Moshe. He couldn't say Moshe. This Rebbe. So he would have said Rabbeinu Moshe. Everybody would have said, This is a Chosid talking. He's a disciple of Moshe's. He's going to try again to calm us down, to shut us up. To defend Moshe. So nobody would have nobody would have been silenced, and to say Moshe himself, asur, tarnished, not allowed to. Therefore, Rashi comes along and tells us that what did he say? He called him Ben Amram, which is in twofold. They thought he was saying Ben Amram in a derogatory fashion. That what's the whole thing about Moshe? What is his whole essence and existence? What makes him so important? The fact that he's Ben Amram. But the truth is when they said Ben Amram, he added to his covet, he added to the honor of Moshe Rabbeinu. Because he couldn't call him by his name. And he didn't even say Rabbi Moshe, Adeni Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu, even with titles, he still wouldn't mention his name. He only said Ben Amram. This was giving Moshe, this was affording Moshe, even a greater covet, even a greater honor than by calling him Moshe himself. And therefore Rashi, who's explaining how Kolev succeeded in silencing the nation, uses the name Ben Amram, not Moshe, to tell us that that Kolev himself, using a little seichel, as we say, instead of riling up the people, in order to avoid riling up the people, in order to silence the people, they hear what he says, he used the name Ben Amram, not mentioning his Rebbe's name, but also sounding almost derogatory. Whereas the truth was that it was actually a, a bigger covet, a bigger honor for Moshe by mentioning it. But the people, because they were never so embroiled in, in, in and so entrenched in this hatred that they didn't catch his actual true intention. Twelve men went to check out the land. Note 
They were not told Leragil Asaret to spy out the land, but rather Losur Asaret. Check it out. Go for a tour. Amongst the ten men, the Moshe sent, we know ten of them sinned. And came up with the worst words and worst explanations and the worst description of the Holy Land. Two of them remained very, very righteous. Two of them remained holy, Yeshua and Kalev. But between Yeshua and Kalev, we find two different approaches. They both came back with the same message. They both came back with the same ideal. How wonderful Etzisrael is, how special it is, and how we need to just go and enter Etzisrael and conquer and take it over, but each in a different tract. Let us first see what happened to these two? We'll go back to exactly how this worked out and why it worked out for him. We know that Moshe davened for Yeshua. And he added a name to him Yudkeish Yachemetz Asmeraglin, God Almighty, should save you from the wicked thoughts of the spies. Kalev, on the other hand, it tells us that he went himself and davened. He himself went and davened. Srivka. Yeah. Shh, come here a second. Come a second quietly. He went himself and he says it says that he went to Hebron to the cave of Ovis and he davened by the cave of Ovis. By the graves of our forefathers of Ram Yitzchak and Yaakov. That he should not fall into Shleyanisas, Lachavedov, Liyes Batsosom. Not fall into their wicked mouths. And even when they returned, you still see a difference between the two. As Yeshua and Kalev tried to speak together, we said. The entire nation wanted the leader Gemayson Bavanim, stone them. When Kolev himself spoke, he managed to silence the crowd and got them to listen. As we just explained, by asked Kolev song. In their wording, we also see a vast difference. When Yeshua and Kolev spoke together, they tried to explain 
how the nation, the Jewish nation, has nothing to fear from the dwellers of the land. When Kalev himself spoke, though, he didn't say how protected they are. He also added into the words of emuna, of belief, faith, which is higher than intellect. So let us go up and inherit. If you keep score at home, the Gemara Saita, Lamed Hei Amar Aleph, tells us, Even if Moshe said, let's go up to heaven, we would be able to go up. We would succeed. These differences that we see here are very, very crucial to the essence of Yeshua and Kaliv. Yeshua is telling us about the greatness of God. How God works from the Maila, the Mata, from above to down below to the world. Kaliv is talking about the holiness of the Jew himself what the Jew can achieve on his own milmata lamaila when something comes blessings come upon us from above obviously there's a tremendous amount greater than we can actually hold on to usually It comes from the godly source. But because we're not purified enough, we're not elevated enough, and we're not enough of a vessel for it, it doesn't really totally penetrate. On the flip side, when one below, a human being, dedicates develops, works on his own greatness, he affects the world, and he changes the world. This is the reason Yeshua was not able to convince the people. His holiness was not able to come down to the lowliness of the people. Kalev, in turn, who was saved because he himself went and prayed, because he himself worked on himself, and took to the worldly existences, and took to his own life, and he became one with the concept of what was actually going on in a worldly fashion. Therefore, he was able to convince and to silence the people. End game. Only through actual purifying, self elevation, self purification self-dedication, self-devotion can we achieve greatness 
Can we achieve the level of emuna, of faith? We can do the impossible if we put our minds to it, if we dedicate and we devote to it. So no matter who's in the way, no matter how much they're in the way, if we but not only the Rotsin, the dedication, the devotions, this is what helps and causes a person to be able to achieve the connection to God. And not only the connection of their own, but they can see to it that this connection permeates and it goes on to each and every other person. Each and every other creation that there is in the world. Making, as the Samachsedek said, Mach do Eretz Yisrael. Make here Eretz Yisrael. Don't. They wanted to go to travel to Israel, travel to the Holy Land, Samachsedek said, Make this Eretz Yisrael. Until we can merit to the ultimate prophecy. I see that Eretz Yisrael in the future Eretz Yisrael will spread through all the lands throughout the world. And we merit to the B.S. Mashiach again. What did he say? What did he say? And how did this in any which way, form or fashion impress anybody? Did you hear what else Ben Amram did? And when everyone became quiet, he said, Vahaloi, didn't he cut a lot of Split the yam for us? Brought down the mana? The Higgis is a slav and produced for us the slav. Foul. What was his message? What was Kaliv choosing these words? What was Kaliv implying in these words to become as a response? to what was going on. Taylor tells us he quieted down the people. And we said, El Moshe, and he commanded and he said, as we just explained what he said, now he quieted everyone down. But what were these three examples? He had done so many other things. Why the yam? Why the man? Why the slav? He didn't speak extra words. He could have just said one. 
Split the Yamsuf. Took us out of Egypt. Brought us the Tata. What were these three examples setting a stage for? Let us look at what the Miraglim said. The Miraglim said, This nation sitting in the land is very strong. The cities are built very, very strongly, high. And we saw the children of giants there. In other words, it's not possible for us to beat them. They're too strong for us. <laughs> Famous story. Must have told it before. I'm sure that those are going to give me back exactly where in the archives I've told it. The fellow that comes running into shul panting, hysterical. <laughs> what happened? There's a hundred lions chasing me. A hundred lions! The rabbi walks over to him. Says, did you count them? He says, no! He says, maybe it was only 50. Rabbi, seriously, if it was only 50, you think that's safe? That's not enough reason to be frightened? You know, if you saw them, they travel, they run in a pack, it could have been only 25, and they would still look a lot to you, overwhelm you. And so maybe it was 25. Maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but 25 lions! Rabbi scratches his head. Maybe it was only 10. If 10 lions roared together at once, that's enough to make us. Quite a scary sound. Rabbi. Rabbi, let's say it was ten. Finally, Rabbi looks at him square in the eyes and says, Maybe there were no lions any, either way. Because we are in this city here. We don't usually have lions running around. Guy's eyes opened up as big as his face. He said, What else was shaking in the bushes? This is what he heard. The Miraglim came back and said, Look how big these people are. How can we fight them? <laughs> we all know, keeping score at home, the Gemara Shabbos, famous Gemara. Everybody knows the quote, not necessarily to remember where it is. So keep score and write down Sadiq Zayin Amir Aleph, 97 side 1. What does it say about the Yidin Hey Maminim Bnei Maminim? Believers and the children of believers. They saw the greatness and the strength of God. And it wasn't enough. And they turn around and say, Amolik Yeshebet, it's a Negev. Amolik is sitting there. So therefore, they needed to be reminded of the Mechama Amolik. The battle that took place when they came out of Egypt, they came across the arms of the war against Amalek. 
At that point, the Eden asked, Hayesh Hashem Bikirbeinu Amayin. Is there a God amongst us or not? So the Miraglim said, What are we relying on? Another miracle? The fact that God did not give us a guarantee. And let us send Miraglim to Eretz Yisrael shows us that we should not necessarily rely on miracles. Maybe God exhausted the miracles. Maybe His powers are no longer that strong. It wasn't enough. They come forward again, again and say, all these are sitting in the, on the mountain like Nani Yeshivalayom. They're terrified. And also, if the Jews believe that still in all Akash Baruch will do miracles when they conquer the land, who says? Now, on the way into Hetzel, we have the same miracles. This is only, maybe when we actually go into the Holy Land. But this is only a preparation. This only leads up to the Holy Land. Maybe we won't merit the miracles here. Kalei ben Yifune steps forward. Steps to the plate, as we say. And he says, your three questions are ridiculous. First things first, you're talking about the strength of the people in Canaan? He split the Yam for us. He split the Red Sea. You want to see what strength is? This also called for battle against Egypt. And naturally they would not be able to beat them through nature, the natural way. Sakharish Baruch made a miracle, not just a miracle greater than the natural, but took nature itself and made it into a miracle. Split the sea. Second question. Maybe God won't do for them, perform for them a miracle. Hey, He threw down this love for us. The Jews were screaming, Who's going to give us meat? And even though this was a despicable way of asking, and it was a, a, a revolting way actually of a presentation, HaKadosh Baruch Hu did the miracle for them. And gave them this love. And the third question. Maybe only as a preparation to going into Israel, we won't have miracles. Only once we go in. He said, Hey, did someone? He put down the man. Traveling in the desert was only a preparation to Matan Teda. 
only a preparation going closer to Eretz Yisrael. A preparation at which God performed the miracle. And therefore, Kalev teaches the nation, don't let the Eight Sahara in. Don't listen to all the different thoughts that he gives you. You have to fulfill your shlichas of God. You fulfill your shlichas, you will be successful. Do not fall into the idea, to the thoughts, to the plans of the Yitzhara. Just skipping out a little bit the Miraglam story. Let's go to one of the mitzvahs that I mentioned in the Tehidah Six Pasha. The beginning of your dough, you should separate challah. Oh, thank you. Titnu Lashem Truma, you should give a gift to God. You're baking challah. You're baking a big dough you have. Tells us the Tata if it's a certain prescribed amount, there's an obligation to take off a piece of the challah. As a gift, it's given to the Kayan. It's just um, dissect the halachas. It needs to be a certain amount of dough, it can't be two ounces of dough. It needs to be approximately three and a half pounds. The usual bag of flour is five pounds. <laughs> I'm sure as the economy is getting stronger, they'll figure out how to start making four pound bags. The noodles. Kemach Lokshin used to be 12 ounces, they're now only 10 ounces. The same package, but now it's only 10 ounces instead of 12. And same price. So we didn't go up in the price, which gave you less luxury. You find that out when you cook a lot. You find out that it's just not the same. So it has to be a certain three and a half pounds at least the dough. And the dough gets covered over. And usually the woman reaches under the cover, she tears off a piece, and she makes the bracha shekel shalom and says, it's one As she holds it in her hand, she says, We'd love to give it to the kayan today, however, the kahanim are impure. And therefore, and there's no beis hamikdash, therefore, um, it's usually put onto a fire and burned. There are those that um, I think freeze it a whole year long, collect it, and Arab Pesach they burn it. It's quite a large fire. Most, for the most part, people take each dough and they take it off. Phone rings, Rabbi. I have a terrible problem. So what happened? We baked challah. I said, what's the problem with baking challah? 
We took the dough and we kneaded the dough and we braided the chalas and we baked the chalas. And then I turned to my daughter and my daughter turned to me and we said, uh, did you take off chala? And I said, I thought you did. And she said, I thought you did. What to do? So I told them, the halacha, we take all those chalas that they baked and we cover that with a towel. Baked chalas already. You make the same bracha and you take the piece off. Or a piece, either a piece of a chala or if you make small bilkalach they call them, you can take a stamma bilkalach. Preferably break off so you shouldn't be a whole thing that you're burning. So the brachas can be made after as well. And the proof is also the matzberkri, that's what they do. They'll take each, um, my gosh, each tray of matzahs and they'll cover it over the paper and take off challah. Baked matzahs. So the Torah tells us that you have to take off challah. Next halacha. The next mitzvah the Torah talks about. Someone who worships idols. Idol worshiping is, is prohibit, prohibited. The message says this teaches us that one who fulfills the mitzvah of Chala, it's as though he abolished Avedizara, idolatry, idolatry. One who does not fulfill the mitzvah of Chala, it's as though he served Avedizara. How a simple act of tearing off a piece of dough can get associated with a cardinal sin like idolatry. What's serving of idolatry? What is idolatry? Not just worshipping a deity other than God has shown. But also, the mistaken belief that any power, nature, or anything as such, functions independently of God. Or even if any entity exists independently of God. This goes against the Pasuk and the Teda, Ein Eid Milvadi. There's none other than him. None besides him. Therefore, the Medish compares the observance of taking challah to the abolishing of idolatry. And the opposite. By planting the grain to baking the dough, making the bread it involves skill. It involves talent. So on a broader scale, dough represents our effort to provide for our needs. What seems to be a natural process, take a small seed, put it in the ground, nurture it and water it and let it grow, 
and we get proper stalks, and then we take the stalks, and we take out the wheat, and we take out the, we turn it into flour, we grind it to flour, we take the flour, we mix it with egg and water, and yeast, and, and boom, voila, here's our challah. Ah, a freshly baked challah. What can compare to that? <laughs> you know, in potatoes, they had to be very careful when they brought the frankincense in the temple to put in a sum or something into it so the, str- the, the scent shouldn't just cause Kalis and Efesh, taking our soul out. So in order to not get so strongly affected by this waft of beautifully delicious, freshly baked challah, the woman burns the challah first on top of the stovetop usually, and that fills, permeates the room. So when you're walking, you're choking from that, you don't smell the great challah, because then you might just, uh, whoo! Anyway, nothing like the good spread the, the scent to feel the weight of that challah in your hand. But we don't do that. We don't look and nurture and see to it the challah goes, the process goes through. First things first, we take off a portion for God. We're acknowledging that everything we do, we don't say, My hands did this. We're not acknowledging this is from God Himself. So separating the challah as a gift to Hashem is in essence acknowledging that since God brings the entire world into existence and Mechadish Betuve Bechoyim Tomid Masivereshus and He constantly renews every moment of creation, all of existence. So everything belongs to Him. So therefore we're giving the dough first to Him. And it's showing us and reminding us it's truly His own. And therefore, thereby, when we take off that piece of challah, we are abolishing idolatry. Because we are saying, look, I am professing to the greatness of God, and without God, none of this could have happened. Pasuk later in the parasha talks about v'tavchem asher amartem levaz And your children whom you said they'll be as spoils I will bring them to Eretz Yisrael. Whereas the Mesei Midbar, the people of this generation, of the Miraglim will pass, under 20 years old, those children went in. Instigated by the spies, B'nai Saul rallied against entering the land of Israel. They were afraid, Pasha, they'd be decimated the wives and babies would be spoils. HaKadosh Baruch Hu got very upset. And he decreed that the entire generation will die before entering the land. 
only the children I will bring there. Now we know this, of course, from before. We said, back in Pasha's boy, when Parai tells Moshe, Mi v'mi'ahilchim, who are going to be those that go into the land? And Moshe says, we've been discussing this the whole time, the entire nation's going. Rabari says to him, Mi v'mi'ahilchim, who are those that are really going in? Only Kalev and Benun. Only Kalev and Benun. And we say, Mi v'mi'ahilchim is gematia, Kalev and Benun. With our elders and with our youngers. The ones that are under 20 and the ones that are over 60 will not be part of this decree. And therefore, those are the ones that will go in. So therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, the young ones will go in. The children. What's the emphasis on the small children? In the complaint that the Jews had and in God's response. We understand. The fear mongers invoked the fate of the children to say how our children will be spoiled. The children will be taken away from us. And this rates done, as we say, this boosted up the level of anxiety. But why did God emphasize the children in His response? There was a deeper fear that the Jews harbored that God was concerned about. Matthew says, when children eat, they make more crumbs than they actually ingest. And Hasidus teaches us, the Taylor study, sustains the soul like food sustains the body. In order for this godly nourishment to be most effective, we need to study the Torah with sincerity. Only purely for the sake of unifying oneself with God and internalizing His wisdom. Now though, B'nai Yisrael, led by the spies, they resisted the problem the spies had to be practical. They weren't wicked people. It says, Anoshim, 
They were shtachlecha anoshim. They were anoshim. They were tzadikim. Kulam anoshim. Kshedim ha'yurashi says. At the time they were kosher. They wanted to go into the Holy Land. Just like HaKadosh Baruch commanded them. Even they knew, even though they knew already how strong the people were. And we see by the Yam, by the Kriyas Yamsuf, we said, All the people that live there in Canaan, we're going to, there's no problem with them. So what happened? Why all of a sudden? After they went up and they spied the land. All of a sudden they regretted what they said. Kazal tell us. There's no comparison hearing to actually seeing. Therefore, that although that it was already a nation that heard about all the great miracles. They knew about all the trials and tribulations they weren't at to sell. But they didn't care. They were resolved that they're going in. Not to fear it. Then they came into the cell and they saw. They're strong. They felt that there's going to be a great battle ensuing from this. More than spiritual, more than physical, spiritually. They saw that the element of the nation, the exposure of what would go on in a mundane land, not being in the clouds of Anania Kovid in the desert, was detrimental spiritually, more than physically. For this they were frightened. This is our lesson to serve God. Person cannot become faint-hearted when it comes to serving God. One needs to be resolved to behave in a special way. And when tests come forward, when we're tested, whether it be this today, day and age, between the internet, the non-Jewish music, between Cholavakum or Cholavstam, it's no longer Cholavakum today because they can't mix in treif, but it's called Cholavstam if it's not observed entirely. Whether we're taking Negavasa by our beds, what's wrong if I walk to the sink? All these little trials and tribulations that come up, one needs to step up. One needs to fortify and to fight. This we learn from the story of the Miraglim. A person cannot be overwhelmed by these little thoughts. This is the way of the world. 
one cannot fall, be downtrodden spiritually. One needs to strengthen and hold on to God's will. And that way he can definitely accomplish and go Michael Achoyl in service to God. So here again, the fear that they had was for their children. Will their children be able to overcome these trials and tribulations? Leaving the oasis of Teda in the desert where they had nothing but spirituality, leading now a material life, planting fields, building houses, Although all the mitzvahs of Peya, Leket, Shikha, Dmai, although led to the mitzvahs of Mezuzah, Sintulin, etc., but it became a mundane world to be involved in. They were worried their babies, their toddlers, they would crumble more of the Teda than they would ingest. And their spiritual nourishment, Rahman al and health would be compromised severely, So God reassures them to the contrary, he says. Your babies will not only survive, but they will thrive. The nibbles of the Teda, Teda study of the future generations, they will take this despite their overwhelming preoccupation with material concerns. And it will be of a greater value than what you accomplished cocooned in the desert. Says Abishta that this toil, this battle of going to a shear in the morning, getting to a shear at night, exhausted and falling on our faces, a once a week shear or a daily shear, whatever it might be, this is what Hashem is showing the Deir Hamidbar this is my promise to you that your children will not only enter the land but they will remain faithful they will remain with purity they will remain with study of Torah and it will permeate them and it will take them through and through and this therefore will be ultimately the message as we bench this Shabbos, this ultimately will be the message as we prepare for Chavchesiv in the day the Rebbe arrives. And this ultimately will be the day of preparation for the day of Bias Gil Tzedek Mashiach Tzedkenu, this very Shabbos. And we go from Shalach Lecho. And we all become emissaries, we all become messengers, we all become shluchim of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and we overcome all our trials and tribulations. And as Chav Gimel Sivan, we wrote down all our bakoshes, and as Marachai and Esther wrote theirs, they were answered, ours too will be answered, and we'll find ourselves in Yerushalayim, Yerakadosh, this very Shabbos, Shabbat Shalom to all. <laughs>